0: Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, a senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message, and really pray that it's a blessing to you today.
1: And you know, the question really is, how do how do we become a missions church? How do we become a missions church and i am asked that question many times and our church in penrith uh is a missions church our church um has been giving a million dollars a year to missions for i think the last 20 years which is pretty much half of our income goes to missions but we feel like we're just getting started and uh, i hear a little ring but i think they'll take that out because there you go the guys back there have their black belt in sound sound systems and uh, thank you. Thank you for that. But the question is, how, how do we become a missions church? And we've been hearing kind of the answer all morning. I think I have heard the word heart about 40 times before I have got up here today. Whether it was in songs or pastor just now or we've been here. And see, that's the key. The key to a missions church is you have to have a missions heart. It's a heart thing. It's not just cerebral. It's, it is the right thing. But to really have a missions church or even your family. How does your family become a, a, a missions family uh, with a legacy to your children? That we are a missions family. So the key is the heart. All right. Well, then let's ask the question. So how do I get a missions heart? And the answer to that is Very straightforward and very simple from the words of the Lord Jesus Himself. Jesus said, Where your money is. This is what Jesus said. Where your money is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know how you get a mission's heart? You buy it. I don't think I have ever said that before in my life. I have preached a thousand mission sermons, and I have never said that until this morning. But I know it's true. I know it's true. You put your treasure in the lost, in the... in the areas where we can help the poor, where we can be kind, where we can show mercy, where we can bring the gospel. Your heart will follow your money. Pastor and I were talking yesterday about David Livingston and the great, great missionary to Africa who I think in his entire lifetime maybe saw, after spending his whole life ministering in Africa, I think he saw one convert. But of course, in the 20th century, 51% of the African nation is converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was before we got to the the 21st century. So in one hundred and ninety-nine years, over half of the continent of Africa converted to Christianity in this last century. But Dr. David Livingston was a seed and a key for so much of that happening. So much so that when he died, they buried his heart under a tree. In Africa. His body, we saw his tomb the other day. We were in Westminster Abbey, and there is this beautiful slab to Dr. David Livingston, but not his heart. His heart's not there. Where would they bury your heart? Where would they bury my heart? I know where they could bury my body, but where would my heart be buried? At the plaza? At the mall? At the golf club? At the Harley Davidson shop? <laughs> because where your treasure is, where your money is, you buy, you buy a missions heart, just like you buy a materialism heart, just like you buy a, a vanity heart, just like you buy a, 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 a property heart, Whatever. And this faith promise card right here is the best tool I have ever seen to guard, guide, and purchase for yourself a heart for nations, a heart for others, a heart for missions. When Carol and I came to Australia in 1987, our pastor sent us. We did not see it as a good idea or a great idea to leave our home and our family and to come to the other side of the world where we didn't know one person. But we had a heavenly vision. Our pastors had a heavenly vision of a church plant in Australia that would reach up to nations of the world. And they asked us if we would come. And we said yes. We did not have a heart for Australia. We did not have a heart for any of this. We just wanted to be obedient to the heavenly vision. And it wasn't fun, and it wasn't fine, and it wasn't any of those things. It was hard. And we left, and we cried. And and Carol, we were here three days, and her purse got stolen. And she said, already, she said, I want to go home. But we came in obedience to the heavenly vision. So we brought our treasure here, all three of our children. We brought everything that we are. And now we've lived in Australia longer than we ever lived in America. But during this time, our heart, something happened to our heart. I'm more Aussie, forget this Western Sydney accent. I'm more Aussie, I'm more Aussie than most Aussies because I chose to be an Australian. You had no choice in it. You just were birthed and popped out, you know. Oh, little Aussie right there. Good on you, mate. But something happens to your heart with your treasure. You know, we had sold our home. We'd bought a, uh, our new home in America, and we, it was a home we always wanted. It had a swimming pool, it had a sunken living, we had a fireplace across the wall, and we'd lived in this old 80 year old house, sold it, bought this house, one minute from the church, thought we'd live in it for the next 20 years. We ran it five months, and, we had, and my pastor's wife had this dad gum heavenly vision. And we'd spent all the money furnishing it and retiling the counters. And so honestly, when we sold it, I think we we sold it, I think we made five thousand dollars total on the sale, and that five thousand dollars supplemented our mission salary for three years. I think we'd get a few hundred dollars a month come in from the sale of that house. We decided that Lord to obey the heavenly vision, we won't have a house. We'll just serve you. And so we rented. But every six months, they'd raise the rent, and we couldn't afford it, and we'd move again, and we'd move again. And this happened over and over again until... And I was sharing this yesterday morning uh, at the, it, it, with Pastor and, and uh, Devin and, and, and Steve and some of the guys there that we were having breakfast with. Carol and I thought, Lord, I know we said we'd be happy to not have a house, but Lord, we love you, but all this moving sucketh. <laughs> we, We just—is there a way that we could not have to do this every six months or so? You know, and so we kind of felt well, maybe the Lord would grant us a place of our own that we could have a house. Mind you, interest rates had been like 18%, 19%. It was ridiculous. Also, you had to have some money to go to the bank. We had—we did not have two dollars. But we thought maybe this is the Lord, and we're going to step out in faith. And so I did something I'd never done before, and I opened a savings account. Never done that before in my life. Carol and I have just always lived to give. We've lived blessed. God's been good. We we always have money to enjoy our life, but always have money to give. And so I'd never had a savings account in my life. But now I know the bank won't look at me if I don't have, back in that day, about $10,000 cash. I didn't have $10 in extra cash. And so we opened the savings account and it was the coolest thing. They gave me a little blue book about that big. And every week I would write another new figure in there. I'd write another new figure in there. And that money in that little blue book began to just grow. I couldn't believe it. Like right before my eyes, I'm looking and we got money in the bank. And it's something, it just kind of just started getting more and getting more. And it was the neatest, coolest feeling. And I'd never had it before in my life. I was in my mid thirties and it was the first time I was ever having that, that feeling. And so now we got some money in the bank and we're really thinking God's going to bless us. And then we have this missions conference. And our church was in the old snooker hall on the high street mall, the old snooker hall on the high street mall, literally right above the ANZ bank that had all of our money in it. Like, Like right down there. And we had this mission speaker, the meanest man you have ever met in your life. He wasn't kind and polite like me. He was ruthless. He was ruthless. He came to rampage and ravage and, and plunder us. It was ridiculous. I mean, he had no mercy at all. He'd lived 50 years as a missionary in Mexico, and he didn't have a nice bone in his body I've had him back a couple times, but I tell you, before he comes, I go buy everything I want to buy before he gets here. You know, he's preaching nations. He's preaching eternity. He's preaching things that matter forever. And all I can think of is that money down below... And I was miserable. I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. More money than we'd ever had in our life. I was miserable. And finally, as I think of Thursday night, he finished and I moped up and took the microphone and Carol was sitting like where she is right now on the front row. And I looked at her and I said, forgive me, baby, for what I'm about to do. I said, I want you to go down tomorrow and I want you to pull everything out of the bank except one dollar because I don't want to go through this process again of having to go get another new blue book. I said, I want you to pull everything out, everything we've been putting in there and leave a dollar and then we're going to make the biggest faith promise we've ever made on top of that. And you know, she's my hero. She didn't, she didn't slap me upside the head. She didn't, uh, she looked at me, she went down the next day, she went in there, walked out with all this cash and one dollar, and the Lord assured her that he was going to buy her a home with that dollar. And so we gave that, I'm, I'm talking to you about how to get a mission's heart here a little bit, okay, a little bit. And Carol and I aren't just here with a plan and a program, we are a life that is here before you that has lived and lives this every day and our church is a, is the life that we live this so this isn't just you haven't brought in some expert in something we're just people like you who live this life and so right after that missions conference we gave all that money away and an opportunity arose for Carol I mean like within the week an opportunity arose for Carol to take on a part-time job And so over the next 12 months, Carol had this job two or three days a week, and she took every penny of that money that she made and went down and put it back in the bank, went down and put it back in the bank. And at the end of 12 months, we walked into that bank with $10,000 cash and bought our first home in Australia. And we lived in that home from that dollar. We lived in that, we built that home. And we lived in that home for 10 years or so and then sold it to our youth pastors. And we were able to really bless them as we sold it to them. And then we built another home about two kilometers from there. And that home, about five, six years ago, we completely paid it off. We own a beautiful, stunning home in the western suburbs of Sydney. As a matter of fact, Dave Halpin built my retaining wall. I saw him here this morning when Dave and Teresa were back in our church years ago. Hey, that wall's still standing, David. Just want you to know. (laughs) And we walk into that beautiful home in Sydney where prices are ridiculous and obscene and we own this property. And the reminder to us every day is $1 remaining from a faith promise. Every day we pull up to that home. Now, you can start the clock. I'm about ready to preach. (laughs) Reach your hand out towards me, please. Father, I love this house. I love the heart In this house. I love the name of this house, Global Heart. And now, Lord, in these next 19 minutes, please speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 19, verse 7 and 8. New King James Version. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. She has made herself ready. Ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. All that good stuff that pleases God that we just heard about a few minutes ago. She's dressed in this beautiful, arrayed fine linen. And what this fine linen is, what this beautiful clothing that she's looking so good in, is righteous acts acts of kindness and goodness and mercy and message and witness and testimony. She's dressed in these things. And that's how she makes herself ready for this marriage. This is her wedding gown. She's made herself ready. She's arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the fine linen are her righteous acts in the earth that she performs in the name of the one she loves. She's dressed to please him. She's dressed to impress him. Actually, he himself has provided her gown But she has put it on. We read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk radiant with holiness. She has arrayed herself in righteous acts with dazzling silk and radiant holiness. She's looking good. These righteous acts, please understand me, do not make her the bride. They prepare her for the wedding. There is one righteous act that makes her the bride. And that is the righteous act of Jesus dying on the cross for her sins and purchasing her with his own blood and rising from the dead. His righteous act makes her the bride. Her righteous acts prepare her for the wedding. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Am I reading the right clock up there? Okay. Do I have 22 minutes? I had 22 minutes like 22 minutes ago. It's all good? You added some. Love you, Jordy. Love you, man. Love you. I'm sure you don't do that for everyone, do you? All right. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's not a reward for her righteous acts, no. So we can't really boast about it when it comes to our salvation. You see, he makes her the bride, but she makes herself beautiful and ready for the wedding. He has chosen her for himself, but she adorns herself for him. For him. She wants to please him. So she clothes herself in garments that show him her form and her beauty. And he's pleased. She's adorned in righteous acts for her king and his cause. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, you are the people of God. He loved you and chose you for his own. So then you must clothe yourself. She's old enough and big enough to get herself dressed. She can dress herself. You're the people of God. He loved you. He chose you for his own. So then you must clothe yourself. You can choose your heart. You can buy your heart. You can clothe yourself. You must clothe yourself. And here's what it looks like when you clothe yourself to please him. You must clothe yourselves with compassion. Thank God for the compassion in this house. And for the children. A thousand children through the years. That have been touched by the compassion of this heart. And the house here, you must clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's loved you, He's chosen you, but you've got to dress yourself. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14, we read, and regardless of what else you put on. Wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. She's not wearing Fendi or Gucci or Versace. She's wearing agape. That's for you, bud. (laughs) I'll work 15 whole minutes on that sentence. You want to hear it again? (laughs) She's clothed herself with love. She's not dressed to kill or to thrill, but she's dressed to fill and fulfill the heart of her husband. And this is how we dress for the bridegroom. We clothe ourselves. We clothe ourselves in kindness. We clothe ourselves in compassion. We clothe ourselves in love and righteous acts. And that's what missions is is all about. It's about righteous acts. It's about telling the untold and loving the unloved. This is what missions is all about. It's about bringing the good news to others, to the poor, to the uncovered, to the disenfranchised, to the beaten. Missions is caring and it's loving and it's Christ-like and it's it's the mandate of the church. We'll never be able to do it in heaven. We can only do it here and we can only do it now. And this is how she prepares herself for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Pleasing Him is her heart. And as pastor said just a moment ago, it's her first priority. This comes first and then we'll do whatever else we got to do. We'll get on with whatever else we need to get on with. But not before this. Because this pleases Him most. We just heard that a moment ago. Colossians 1.10 That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being fruitful in every good work, every righteous act, every righteous act. So these good works that we are called to do, do not make me the bride, but I dress myself in them for the wedding. Actually, to be honest, there is nothing I can add to his grace. There is nothing I can add to my right standing with God. Because your right standing with God and my right standing with God is on God. It's it's his Decree and gift and purchase of us. I cannot do. I could give everything away. I could do die a thousand times. Nothing could add to my right standing with God. But I can. In my few minutes on this planet. I can adorn myself. Dress myself. For his pleasure. And I can adorn myself with righteous acts. That please him and delight him, and honor him, and glorify him, because I love him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, now may he supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, whether that be giving through other means, whether that be your faith promise, but but the seed here is the money that, that owns your heart. It's the money that directs your heart. It's the money that identifies and establishes your heart. Now may he supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, but watch this, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Come on now. We're here to leave a legacy of righteous acts as a church, as families, as business leaders, as young people, as teenagers, as children in our children's church. The fruits of your righteousness. These are your righteous acts. While you, while you, and come on here in Perth, aren't we blessed? Goodness gracious sakes alive. Who's more blessed in the world than Australians? Amen. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, it ain't like we ain't got it. It ain't like we ain't got it. We've got it more than anyone else in the world has it. We've got it. It's just what will we do? How will we direct it? How will we let it mold and own and form our heart? While you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Can you imagine in Lusaka those giving thanksgiving to God through your liberality and your generosity and your heart? And you'll probably never meet them or know them. But you do it for your husband. You do it for the bridegroom. Our liberality produces acts of righteousness that cause others to glorify God, others to admire him, others to love him like we love him. We want him loved. We want him known. To praise him, to love him, to thank him, to receive him. This is our heart that others, others as well. And we do these things for him. This isn't for us. This isn't for our glory. This isn't, we're already blessed. We have been blessed beyond belief. He's already supplied every need we have. Come on, somebody. We, every, he supplied every need. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This isn't me standing here in need. This is me standing here blessed to be a blessing. The message says that passage in Philippians 4.19 like this. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. We're, We're equipped. We're blessed. We're prospered. We live here by the goodness and by the grace of God. Hebrews 13, 21 says, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. Well, amen, he has. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that pleases him every good thing that is pleasing to him can I just say a global heart church is pleasing to him a faith promise commitment where I take my money and I steer it and it takes my heart with it as I pour it into others the poor the untold and the unreached every good thing that is pleasing to him this isn't about me pleasing me that woman in that bride dress and that wedding gown isn't there to please her she's there to please him And all glory to him forever and ever. And so this is what his bride adorns herself with. Every good thing that is pleasing to him. Not for her salvation, but from her salvation. We do not do these righteous acts for our right standing with God. We do them from our right standing with God. Could I ask our team to please come? They gave me more time than I needed. To please him. To please him. To love him. To love him. To please him. And I just want to read that. Actually, I quote every day of my life. There's several things that I quote and confess every day. One of the things I quote every day is: today's the youngest I'm ever going to be for the rest of my life. <laughs> God's truth. God's truth, I wake up every morning to the youngest me I will ever be. Come on, my brother, you know what I'm talking about. Hey But I also, every single day, I quote this verse, Colossians 1:10, "Lord, that I may have a walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you in all things. May I be fruitful? In every good work that you created me for. And my, may I increase in the knowledge of God. So I'm going to join you with a pastor this morning who's asking, would you take this home this week? Would you think it through? Would you look at your heart? Look at your house. Look at whatever it is around you. Look at your children. Look at your spouse. Talk to each other pray, hear the word of the Lord, and then would you use this to clothe yourself with righteous
0: acts? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world.